Welcome to Subscribing to Wellness, the show where Rachel Newman and myself, Daniel Fairman, sit down with leading founders, executives, and investors committed to building a healthier future for consumers. Hey listeners, Daniel here. Over the past few years, through my work with a handful of direct-to-consumer brands, I've gotten a front row seat for different retention strategies. Email and SMS campaigns, discount blasts, you name it. Very few brands are taking the time to set up effective loyalty referral and membership programs. That's why you should consider using Rebo. Rebo is my favorite retention platform for Shopify stores, powering over 7,000 stores, including Hexclad, Outer Isle, and Rareform. Rebo increases your brand's repeat purchase by 20% or more through loyalty, referral, and membership programs. I've spent time with Stuart, Rebo's CEO personally, and I can guarantee you using Rebo will empower you to seamlessly set up effective loyalty and membership programs with minimal effort. If you're interested in giving Rebo a try, sign up for a demo on Rebo.io or email Stuart at Rebo.io. That's S-T-U-A-R-T at Rebo.io. I can guarantee you, you won't regret unlocking a new level of retention. Our next partner is AG1, the daily foundational nutritional supplement that supports whole body health. I drink AG1 first thing in the morning. It's the very first thing I put in my body before anything else. I personally love drinking it with fresh squeezed lemon juice. It makes me feel ready to take on my day. It's my personal start button and my body craves it daily. It has become an absolute staple in my routine. I originally gave AG1 a try because I was so tired of taking all these different supplements and I needed something simple that I could stick to. It's a routine that stays with me no matter where I go. The travel packs make it so easy and allow me to feel grounded no matter where I am. So if you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash STW. That's drinkag1.com slash STW. Check it out. Today on Subscribing to Wellness, we are joined by GoNana's co-founders, Morgan and Annie. Morgan and Annie were neighbors in their freshman year college dorm at the University of Michigan. What started out as a love for banana bread and baking together turned into how can they healthify the staple that so many people love. They started baking mini loaves and selling them locally in Ann Arbor and eventually shifted the business to baking mixes. Today, they are sold all over the country and recently launched nationwide in Whole Foods. We unpack the transition from baked loaves to mixes, their limited edition collab drop model, how they craft their unique flavors, and so much more. Annie, Morgan, welcome to Subscribing to Wellness. Thank you for having us. We're so excited. Oh, mouthful this morning. Um, (laughs) We're so excited to be chatting with you today. Um, You guys are obviously one of our favorite OG brands, but seriously, you started from your college dorm room and now you are on the shelves in Whole Foods Market nationwide. We got it. We got to go way back. So you're in college. What's going on? So Annie and I were neighbors in the freshman dorms, believe it or not. 
Um, and that's where GoNanas began. We were and are very passionate about food and health and baking. And so Annie one day invited me over to her place 45 minutes away from campus <laughs> to bake. And that was the day we made the first ever GoNanas. We wanted to healthify banana bread, which we both grew up eating. So my Mimi had a famous recipe. Her family had a famous recipe. And on the car ride home, we came up with the name, which back then was Go Bananas, but we couldn't trademark it. Um, got an LLC on campus, and that was in 2016. And so we essentially, as undergrads, grew that banana bread business selling mini loaves of banana bread to food service. So very different business. But that was the problem we were kind of solving at the time as college students who wanted an on-the-go baked good. Um, and then COVID hit and shut that whole thing down because food service shut down. So fast forward to 2020, we had graduated and kind of continued that business and pivoted really quickly, launched our first at-home mix, and that launched July 2020. Um, and that really blew up on social media and started going viral in Nordstrom Racks approached us a few months later. So that's when we quit our jobs um, and went all in on the banana bread mixes. And then two and a half years later, we're on Whole Foods shelves. So it's been a journey to say the least. Wild, wild ride. Uh, we got to, we got to touch on a couple of those. Yeah. <laughs> you fast forwarded a, a little too quick. I just skipped like a bunch yeah. of years. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Banana bread. Um, Loaves. Okay. So you start making loaves recipe as it stands with the loaves versus like the recipe that's currently in the packaging today. Tell me a little bit about that difference and how you guys originally like concocted this banana bread recipe. That's a great question. So we started by combining our familial recipes and then making natural healthy swaps. So instead of unrefined wheat flour, we'd used whole grain gluten-free oat flour. You get the drift. And originally we had made a version that was not vegan. It included Greek yogurt and eggs. And then we also had a vegan version because the commissary kitchen that we were working out of said, you don't have to pay us rent, but please make our banana bread for us. It's a vegan loaf and adapt this recipe. We were like, okay, so we put our, you know, Gonana's spin on it. And then we started conducting interviews with people on campus to start getting feedback. So we were in the initial stages of our business and everybody liked the vegan version better. Of course, we didn't tell them it was vegan. And we were like, oh, let's just make all of our breads vegan because that's such a better, you know, value add. So then we started recipe testing to develop everything to be in its vegan form. And our mixes as it stand are that recipe, just the dry version, no other changes. Wow, that's pretty remarkable. And the loaves that you're originally selling to food service, tell me like about the food service places that you were selling to. Was it like schools or what kind of places were buying cafes? Like what kind of places were yeah. buying? Cafes, coffee shops, juice bars um, across six states, a handful of them. So pretty small scale food service, but the idea being you can have it on the go. And the they were place. like single serve, they were like single serve loaves. 
Morgan, yeah. you forgot the best one. We sold at the University of Michigan big house, the football oh, studio. That's true. We <laughs> have some awesome footage of it being like so cold and Annie and I decked out in Michigan gear and just like dancing to stay warm and like begging anyone to buy our banana bread. <laughs> I'm going to send it to you. It's really funny. Oh, I love that. I love that. Yeah. Okay. So fast forward a little bit. COVID happens. And I do remember at the beginning of COVID, there was like that big, I mean, well, there was the big baking craze. There was the big everything craze during COVID. People had way too much time on their hands. But one of the big crazes was banana bread. People were doing all different types, all different form factors. It was tins, it was muffins, it was whatever. What made you guys like pivot to a mix? Because, you know, the mix aisle is super crowded. So tell me like what, what was going through your heads now? I think that in the beginning, it was really, we have this surplus of ingredients. Our customers can no longer buy our product because food service had virtually shut down. And so it was a way to stay in business and a way to continue providing our customers with our products since they were stuck at home. And I think that it really was just perfect timing, definitely a little bit of luck with banana bread blowing up because those initial mixes, which I will add were in mason jars with a Gonanas sticker hand slapped on there, blew up on the internet. And that's when we were really like, this is a much scalable, much more scalable business and a much more profitable business. And this is something that we could pursue full-time. So mixes, First, they're in mason jars. Now they're obviously in in bags, but they're in mason jars being sold to people. What's the like rules or in, like what what do, what do I I send this to a customer? They're ordering this on some website, right? We're selling D to C, and now you give them instructions on how to make this at home. So that's like how this starts, right? Basically, yes. Like we called it the quarantine kit. I think very similar instructions to our mixes today, just in the mason jar. And it's actually a really funny story of how we went from a mason jar to our current pack, because some people go through a whole packaging revamp or use a company for it. And we had this um, club on campus who had done the branding for our mini breads. And it was very colorful and new. We were about to go through that rebrand. And so we used that you know, artwork, which we paid $100 for at the University of Michigan, and made a deck with like a few of the competitors in the baking space, and figured out how we would differentiate ourselves and like put a real product on it, did a little bit and like, that's basically our mix today. Like we've really not changed it that much. We've made a few optimizations, um, as you'll see coming soon. But I just love that because it was really from this club on campus. Um. <laughs> I think other consumer brands should take a page out of your book. <laughs> I know a lot of consumer brands that pay hundreds of thousands of dollars for their uh, packaging designs. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So we're going to fast forward a little bit packaging. What, what are our flavors? Cause we'll go into your flavors as it stands today, but what do you launch with? What did we launch with back then? Yeah. 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 Like what's in the mason jars. So our three core flavors when we first launched was original chocolate chip and a flavor called crackly. It had millet and nutmeg in it. Honestly, so delicious. But so like good. as we scaled, people were like, what is this? <laughs> so. Wait, why? Uh, I like the name, but I'm curious 
millet and nutmeg like did the, were those like family flavors you guys just like those flavors so that's the recipe that we adapted from the bakery that we were working out oh, of. okay so that was and the concert people too. loved it in ann arbor but obviously it's very different when you see something in person you can smell it it's in a you know a ready-made form versus seeing something on a website you're like what is crackly banana bread has right. no appeal <laughs> You guys should like bring it back maybe as like a fun, a fun drop with like with someone as, or like as an anniversary flavor. We honestly should. It's so should. We should. And like share the story. Yeah. I'm sure I, I, I bet you people would at least buy it once to try and then they would make it and try it and be like, holy Moses. I'm sure I haven't tried it, but I'm going to pretend like I I got you some. Um, Okay. So banana bread. You start D to C, let's fast forward. We're in this now beautiful bright pink packaging. You stand out on shelf. What makes you guys super unique is this drop model. So you are selling D to C on your website and you have a limited edition collab drop model. Can you tell me about this model as well as like why you chose to kind of go down this path rather than just consistently having the same SKUs on your website? Yeah. So we've launched about 35 flavors to date. And essentially we saw this model being used, using fashion a lot. We saw maybe one other food brand doing it and we were trying to grow online. So we said, should we try limited drop? It was with a pumpkin flavor. And we saw this massive sales spike when we did that. So we're like, okay, that's, let's do more of that. (laughs) And basically the more we did it, the more we were able to grow online. It makes sense too, because how often are people buying a baking mix? Some people it's every week or every month, but on average it's once a quarter. And so these innovative flavors bring people to our site. They bring people coming back. You can really have a flavor for every season. It also gives people a reason to bake maybe in our quote unquote lower seasons. So we don't see a huge dip um, online during the summer because we launch flavors like blueberry, a lemon poppy seed coming up, things like that. So it gives people a reason to come back. It keeps people interested in us because we're innovating and doing fun things with those drops. Um, And then I would say, lastly, it allows us to test different flavors to see what works. And then our most successful ones we've brought to retail. So fudge brownie is now instead of crackly, our third kind of core skew makes a lot more sense. Um, And was one of our most successful flavors online and same with the future one or two flavors we plan to bring into retail. As I realize summer is officially over, I'm trying to create daily habits that allow me to feel my best. I've been enjoying Wild Way Granola as part of my routine. It's made of 100% real ingredients with no added sugars, preservatives, seed oils, or flavorings. It's just a wholesome blend of nuts, seeds, dried fruit, and spices. It's the perfect mix of chewy and crunchy and the best addition to my morning yogurt. Head to Wild Way of Life to grab your bag. Yeah. And so I want to dig into your D2C model because until recently you were you were a solely D2C company. Um and you know, digitally native brands I think a lot of them most of them came out of the pandemic and they had to be. And there's a very big difference between selling in retail and selling online. You know, a customer can't feel the product, touch the product, smell if that's the case. I want to hear from you guys What have you found now that you're in retail? Tell me a little bit about the differences as you're targeting consumers online versus in-store. I think that in-store is actually a lot easier than online 
like for in-store, there are clear things that work. We know that if we do a demo in a grocery store, people are going to try the product. Most of the time they love the product, they're hooked and they buy it. And you can see those direct numbers. You know, we do one demo in this grocery store, here's our velocity increase and here's how it maintains or other, you know, things that we do going on sale at a retail store, merchandising. There's so many different levers that we can pull to increase our turns in a grocery store versus online is so challenging because it is changing all the time. Like retail is this dinosaur where you know there are these specific things you can do that work. They cost money, but that's it. That's that's what, that's the formula that works. On direct-to-consumer, you have to constantly be innovating, constantly be reaching new audiences, changing your marketing so things stay fresh. Um, so I think that's how we look at it. At least I know a lot of people have a lot of different opinions on that. Yeah, I, I think I agree in certain regards there. I'm curious though, yes, in the grocery store, I love the term you use. It's very much a dinosaur. Like, you know what you're going to get. People are walking around. They're going to pull things off the shelf. They'll look at them. They'll put them in their cart and definitely on the sampling. But I think one of the hardest things that we come into on the grocery store is standing out on shelf um, and someone just even walking past you or noticing you. And there's the grocery store is full, full, full. The shelves are full. So what are you guys doing to stand out in that baking aisle as well as get people to that baking aisle in the first place? Because it starts outside of the grocery store. Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, number one, we're trying to get additional placement outside of the baking aisle. So you need real bananas to make our mixes. Our biggest strategy is getting into produce because they go hand in hand um, and we have a, a pretty compelling case for that. So that's number one, if anything, because the aisles do get crowded. Um, but getting people in store is a mix of those promotions. So um, online, things like aisle to get people in store, marketing our brand on social to get people in store and utilizing that online community. Um, and then on shelf with our pink packaging and hot pink strip and pretty simple actually look. If you see a picture on shelf, like I said, Whole Foods, we pop from the onset and then we try to get multiple flavors to have a brand block. So in multiple of those Whole Foods stores, we actually have a whole row. Um, so I think as much as we can do on a packaging front and we've made a few optimizations to do so, that's really key. And then things like, you know, sales and promotions can enhance people's likelihood to grab you. Um, and then the product, we have a really high returning customer rate. So people are coming back and that builds. So a lot of things, it's kind of like that whole funnel working together. Um, and part of that is we're new. So we have to analyze and see what's working and where we want to be and how to adjust. Yeah. Continuing to optimize. So digging into your, your, like your marketing strategy online for a second, you mentioned social, you mentioned this community, you guys have a, you do have a viral like TikTok, Instagram, et cetera, and it's full of recipe development. Tell me a little bit about that strategy and how you guys work on creating new content, who does your content, what, what are you guys looking for and how are you trying to attract consumers? Yeah, so we have a full-time social media manager. So she's been incredibly helpful with that and came from TrueFru the chocolate covered fruit company. Um, so that was step one, bringing someone who has a lot of experience. Um, but we do a mix of in-house and out of house. I think we're a very founder 
forward brand. So we like to get in our content a lot and share the stories in the behind the scenes and just kind of tell that because that's always been central to our community. Um, and we have over 2,500 brand ambassadors. So they're creating UGC, posting about the product, spreading the word. Um, so that's always been really central. So a mix of ambassadors, we work with influencers as well on kind of a higher level. Um, and then creating that content that people want to watch and, and help us build our brand. Yeah, I do love that you guys are so founder driven in that both both of your stories are truly at the forefront. And this is, you are not hiding away from telling your stories as well as you're not hiding away from being a part of the brand. And I think one thing that's so, that sticks with me still is I was talking to Annie recently about this, about your your innovation and making new flavors and recipe development. She said that you guys still do it. Like the two of you in your kitchen, like you make the flavors, you'll test things. Tell me about this because this is wild to me as you guys are in Whole Foods, a huge brand, you making, you know, I'm picturing like pouring some blueberries in and like pumpkin and whatever oh, and, yeah. and being like, this is bad or this is great. Yeah. yeah. But what is, tell me this process. Well, we've gotten better over the years. It wasn't as, you know, complex and intricate at the beginning, but it literally, if I took my camera today there'd be like six bowls and a scale and all these crazy ingredients um but it really happens like that it has we have a scale lots of specialty ingredients you get to know which suppliers and which things work so i think that skill set has built over time so we know like we're coming out with a lemon poppy seed that took two tries but fudge brownie way back when took 30 tries so you start to learn what flavor profiles will work for a certain kind of flavor and some are really hard like s'mores been working on that for two years it's <laughs> so hard to recreate that um sensitive topic but um yeah so I think just learning I mean the process really looks like I'll take a random flavor like German chocolate cake we can't do that because we're allergen free but I'm just going to use that we would look online look for just the basic recipes, see what goes into it to get an idea of the basic structure and then use our knowledge of how to turn that into a baking mix with certain ingredients to apply those kinds of ratios um, to a formula. And then it's just like test, test, test. So do you guys have any sort of like chef on hand or consultant in terms of like ratios or recipe development? The closest, and he's like, I'm, I'm the chef. <laughs> no, I'm like the closest thing we have to that is Morgan likes things to taste so similar to what they are. She wants like when you take a bite of something to like smack you in the face of like what that flavor is. And I'm very like, I like the subtle teas. Like I want to taste that it's banana bread and a little bit of that. So I think for us, it like really balances out having the two of us to get somewhere in the middle. And our partners are also very similar in our taste buds. So they're like the final step. We're like Morgan and I are the same. We love it. It goes to them. If they both say it's amazing, we're good. Yeah. So you guys are remote though. You do not live in the same state. So, so how does this work? Do you send each other the mixes that each of you make, or do you measure it out and do like the exact same thing? That. Okay. Yeah, which I actually like because it's almost like a double test, uh, a check. So then 
you know, what we're making at home is double checked. And it's so niche that that's why I don't think anyone else could help because it's, we've just only mastered baking mixes, like banana bread, our product, like that's it. It's so niche. (laughs) Have you guys, have you guys ever made like in this recipe development, have you ever made a recipe or like tried to like a random flavor and you like fell in love with it, but then you realized you couldn't, you couldn't scale it because of either the the ingredients were too expensive or I don't know, for another reason or another. I think that that wouldn't happen only because at this point, we only reach out to suppliers where we get the pricing up front. We know what the typical uh, flavor, if it's a flavor powder cost or a fruit powder, like it's all within the same range. So there are definitely some that we wouldn't consider bringing to retail for that reason, but nothing that we started developing that we were like, we can't launch this on our site because it's too expensive. And that's yeah. also the beauty of online. Like if something was crazy expensive, we'd increase it a dollar. Like yeah. it would yeah. be fun. Have you, so, so you have your mixes, you sell as a dry mix and then people add in the wet at home. And part of that wet is the bananas or are the bananas because more than one banana goes in there. Have people ever, do people ever not use bananas in these? And like, I'm curious, other things that people kind of do at home that you've heard of that's interesting. So some people swap for pumpkin. Can of pumpkin is the only one that I've heard semi-consistently, but it's not something we advertise either just because you get to use those spotty bananas instead of them going to waste. Um, And you'll lose some of the magic flavor without the the banana. So you can sub for a can of pumpkin. I've actually never done that in my life, but um, people do it. (laughs) I'm I'm so glad I asked you guys this. I feel like it was so long ago when I... I thought one banana went in or something, remember? Oh, yeah. You guys were like, no, three, three go in. And I was like, oh, right. That's why, like, it was dry or something. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Okay, so you guys not only recently launched in Whole Foods, but you have now adopted, like, your D2C model. You've partnered with a number of high-profile creators, influencers to create kind of special edition flavors. But as a third pillar to kind of this strategy, you have this awesome collab model, um, which I know is a bit new, but it's, it's so fun and so cool. And I'm so excited for what's to come. Can you tell me about what you're doing there and kind of the strategy behind this collab? Yeah. So I think that one of the exciting parts about our mix is that we can work with other companies for them to bring it to life in a multitude of different ways. So one of the first collabs we've ever done as a company is we've worked with um, Salt and Straw, the ice cream company on the West Coast. They are baking a few of our flavors and putting them in their ice cream to make summer limited edition flavors. And that was really what spurred this idea of making it into its entire own channel. So now we're working, we have two people on the team who all they're doing is reaching out to various companies to create these collabs. And it's cool because they're all really different. Like we have one company, I'm not going to name names yet because I don't want to ruin anything, but they're taking our mix and making it into a cookie dough on top of their products. And it's like crazy to think that somebody is taking 
our banana bread base and turning it to this wildly different product that is so delicious and actually inspired our cookie mix that we just dropped. Um, so it's just crazy. And I think that it's a great channel from a you know, profitability perspective. It's a great channel because um, it's great brand awareness. And then also it's just a really fun thing to be doing and to weave into our marketing because it's very different from what other companies in our space are doing. Yeah. And the strategy here, um, I'm curious, are you going after brands or companies that you feel are totally aligned with your core consumer base? Um, so for example, like if you know your consumers also enjoy salt and straw or also enjoy XYZ company, or are you trying to widen this horizon a bit and surface new consumers to the brand? Yeah, I think if you talk about our consumer, we're, we're positioned as a really indulgent product that's made easy. So the baking mix piece and then happens to be allergen free. So I wouldn't ever say like our market is allergen free. So that's why we can bring in someone like Salt and Straw, who is such like an artisan maker who just makes really good ice cream, where we know that would be a really good pairing and we get to reach somewhat of a new audience. So I don't think we're going for perfect synergy. It's like, who's making a good product, who could use our product in an innovative way. And then we get to reach new people as well. Yeah. And your consumer, if we dig in a bit to your consumer, who, who do you find is that core consumer at the end of the day? And who do you feel like you guys are competing against for their pantry space? So I think that online, those metrics are so clear that it's a mom, obviously female, you know, ages 30 to 45 is like the strongest demographic. We also have uh, female millennials online who are buying, you know, our really innovative flavors and making crazy creations with them. I think at the end of the day, though, you know, that's that was the easiest place to start online. And that's, you know, where our marketing worked the best. That's where a lot of the influencers we work with reach. But we want to be the banana bread in everybody's household. We want to be the next Betty Crocker or banana bread, at least. And so we want that to be, you know, all people who buy baking mixes at the end of the day. I think right now, the people that are our biggest competitors in terms of, you know, what people are buying and putting in their pantries, we look at, you know, maybe Simple Mills or Miss Jones or just other people who have space in the baking mix shelf, but we don't feel like there's a good competitor for our products specifically, if that makes sense. Yeah. There's no brand that's solely, there's no other brand that's just solely just doing banana bread. Like, as you mentioned, you know, the simple mills, they have a banana bread or other mixed companies have a banana bread skew, but you guys are like the banana bread masters, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Through this journey and trajectory, you know, starting as really, really young founders, you guys were in college and now you're older founders <laughs> um, with a product that has like soared. What has been, if you're, if we take a moment to kind of reflect on the past years, what has been some of the hardest things or one of the hardest challenges that you guys feel like you've had to overcome as a team in order to take Gonanas kind of like to that next level? I think the team building, like just finding the right people for what we need at any given time, because when you're such a small team, it's hard to identify, here's a gap, 
that one person can fill. This is part-time. Okay, I think we need something here and when. So I think it's really hard to fill that out at the beginning. Even now that we have more people on, we see those gaps much more clearly. It's like, okay, our next hire will probably be that. This is what we need for that. But at the beginning, you know, you go from Annie and I doing everything and way overworking and then trying to fill in those gaps um, and manage them. Um, be good leaders, inspire them amidst a crazy culture. Um, so I think that's one of the most challenging things, but it's been the most fun. Um, and to be where we are today, having more people feels so good and fun. Yeah, I do love that so much. What's next for Gonanas? Uh, so we have our SKU, we have our core line in Whole Foods, we have our limited edition drops, but what's next? I think for us, the biggest goal that we've set for ourselves is launching in the produce department at really large conventional retailers. Like, don't get me wrong, I dream of being in Sprouts, but I feel like we have a, a decent saturation of the natural channel. And I think the next part is, you know, launching in the Publixes of the world and the Albertsons in produce and really seeing how we perform in those kinds of environments. Yeah. What's so fun though about your product in that bridge from natural to conventional is banana bread crosses the chasm like no other, like no other snacking food. You know, it, it's it's not it's not a strictly natural channel. Whereas a lot of these consumer or early stage CPG brands, it is really, really, really hard for them to cross the chasm simply because of their consumer profile, not necessarily because of price point. But at the end of the day, banana bread is something that I don't know a single person that doesn't like banana bread. So um, it's something that is so widely liked that, and your mix is so easy to make that it makes things, you know, just that much easier. Um, we like to ask all of our guests how they subscribe to wellness. So I want to hear from each of you. What are some things that you guys do on a daily, weekly basis to be able to show up not only for yourselves, but for Gonanas? I can start. I walk my partner to work almost every day and I try and pick him up because we obviously work from home. And so getting out a walk, I also live in Chicago. So the walk is along the river, which is just beautiful, but just being outside, even if it's just, you know, 10 or 15 minutes in the morning and I try and get it in, in the afternoon too, is such a nice breakup of the day and gets my body moving. So that's what I do. You stole mine, but I, <laughs> am a, I, I'm not a fully routine person. I like to switch it up. Um, so I'll do a little bit of that. I journal sometimes, work out in the mornings um, and be with friends and family. So kind of need some outlet or else you get kind of locked up in this at home. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for, sure. for sure. I have to ask each of you your favorite flavor of gonanas ever and your favorite way to eat it and it can be and they can be two I guess those can be like two different two different ones I don't know why this is like this is the most asked question I just change my answer like every time because I love them all um I would say chocolate chip although I haven't had it in a while just because it it will always be amazing and I make muffins the most but I enjoy a loaf the most because it's like crunchy on the outside 
a little maybe gooey on the inside. Making, maybe you should start making more loaves. I should. <laughs> but like my soul control would go out the window. <laughs> and people are like, do you enjoy, do you ever get tired of your product? And I'm like, no, I eat it every day. So <laughs> I have to control myself. <laughs> I would say fudge brownie for me. And I'm impartial to the different ways of eating it. I would say I make muffins the most just because it's the most convenient. Like I can't eat a full 12 muffins by myself. So then I just pawn them off. I bring them to whoever I'm seeing that night or um, so that's the easiest form, but I like muffins and loaves all the same. <laughs> what's the most create? what's the most like out of the box way that you've seen people, people use the mix? There's gotta be some crazy, Oof, so many. crazy things. I feel like somebody made it into like a German chocolate cake with different layers. We've seen ice boxes. Um, what was cake that? Pops. What was the one for July 4th? Oh, a trifle. <laughs> trifle, oh yogurt bowls, waffles, cupcakes, cake pops, like whoopie pies people go crazy but that's the fun part like and it makes me feel like I should do more fun stuff <laughs> you guys you know you should, I know you have your blog with all of your recipes but you guys should come out with like a go Nana's cookbook I don't know if I could do that again I did an ebook and it took like way too much time <laughs> it was like every page and every recipe I poured my heart heart and soul but no but no but you wouldn't be making the recipes it would be like your community it would oh, be- I didn't make the recipes. Oh. It was totally our communities. She just like it just- it together took her <laughs> a long time. And okay, it's just fine. a lot to do. Yeah, bad idea. You guys have <laughs> But if, if someone could help, I'd be down. <laughs> Maybe one of our interns. <laughs> yeah. Okay. If anyone out there wants to help me cookbook, we'll we'll throw that out there. Um, where yeah. can our listeners buy Gonanas, find Gonanas, see all of these amazing recipes? <laughs> So you can find us in every Whole Foods in the country. And then if you're in New York, Wegmans, Texas, H-E-B, and then soon to be Targets in every state. Unreal. And online and social, right? Go underscore Nana's on Instagram. Go Nana's on TikTok. Those are the main ones. Amazing. Morgan, Annie, as always, thank you so much. Uh, Amazing conversation. Thanks for having us. This was so fun. Hey, listeners. I just wanted to quickly mention my favorite hydration supplement element. Hydration is a crucial part of life, and it isn't just about drinking water. Being optimally hydrated is actually about optimizing your body's fluid ratios. This fluid balance depends on many factors, including the intake and excretion of electrolytes. Electrolytes are charged minerals that conduct electricity to power your nervous system. They also regulate hydration status by balancing fluids inside and outside your cells. Current science points to consuming 4 to 6 grams of sodium, 3 to 0.5 to 5 grams of potassium, and 400 to 600 milligrams of magnesium per day from diet and supplements for optimal health outcomes. It can be hard to consume these ranges from whole food diets, especially sodium. Element was formulated with a science-backed electrolyte ratio, 1,000 milligrams of sodium, 200 milligrams of potassium, and 60 milligrams of magnesium. Just as important as what is put in element is what is left out. Dodgy ingredients and public health enemy number one, sugar. I've been consuming the product for about a year and absolutely love it. And if you want to get started today, you should go to drinkelement.com slash subscribe into wellness for a special introductory deal on your first order. 
That's drinklement.com slash subscribing to wellness. You won't regret it. Thanks everyone for listening to today's episode. Feel free to rate, review, and share the podcast. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to wellness. If you'd like to sponsor us, please see the supporter link in our podcast bio. We hope everyone has a great rest of week filled with wellness, and we'll see you next time.